On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to ask the question, what do you think when someone says Church of Christ? That phrase, that name, brings a lot of thoughts to mind uh, from folks that are members of the Church of Christ as well as those who are not. And we want to get into that important question, and we're going to start right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 10th, 2018. Thank you for being on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town tonight. In his spot, uh, Monty Overton is here. Monty, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. All right. And uh, good to have you. And uh, you're just swapping seats tonight. You were here last week, but just in a different spot. But back uh, again tonight is Kyle behind the controls. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Thank you. And you did a little research on our topic tonight. We want to get some of that from you here later on. Uh, We are asking the question, what is the first thing that you think when someone says Church of Christ? Uh, Just That was a simple one question that we asked today of our listeners on our update list and many have responded if you have not it's not too late you can send your response in the chat room or you could send it to questions at collegeu.com we'll monitor both of those or if you'd like to call 877-381-4567 it's toll free the line's open we're welcoming your call uh, on this important subject tonight uh, we want to hear from you and we're glad that you're here with us tonight before we get started want to Give a little shout-out to uh, Maurice and the folks in Rockford, Illinois. They're listening to the program uh, up there during their Sunday evening worship service. So appreciate them for that, and glad to hear from uh, him, Maurice. And uh, we want to hear from you as well. If you're listening, you're out there listening, just send us an email and let us know you're out there. Questions at collegeview.com. Monty, uh, this is a a phrase or a, a name that brings uh, many thoughts to people um, and maybe some misconceptions as well. Marcus has responded tonight. Marcus says, I think of the church of the New Testament. If I was not a member of the church, my answer would be just a church. As a young, as a young guy, most people my age don't care about church. They did not grow up in any church. Marcus, thanks for your response tonight. Thanks for listening. Marcus says that he thinks about the New Testament church, and certainly that is our goal, Monty, to be a church like the one we read about in the New Testament. You know, Jacob, that's really all that matters is that we study the Bible and see what it says and do what it says so that we can be pleasing to God. And if we're doing that, then we're that church that we read about in the New Testament. Anything else is is kind of irrelevant. That should be our one and only goal is to be pleasing to God. All right. Uh, and certainly it is our goal. Um, certainly there are misunderstandings about the Church of Christ. We want to talk about some of those tonight and some of those we've gotten in response. Um, but that is our ultimate goal, to be like the church we read about in the New Testament, to get away from the creeds and the teachings of men and just follow what the New Testament teaches. We believe it's possible. 
We believe it is the only way that we can be unified as Christ wants us to be unified, as he prayed in John chapter 17, that we would, like he and his father are unified. The only way we can do that is if we agree that we're going to play by the same set of rules, that we're going to follow the same standard, the same guide, and that has to be, and it can only be the Bible. And if we'll stick to that, then we will all be unified and we will all be doing the same thing. Uh, And that is our, our goal. Chris in Atlanta sent in his response, and he says, maybe I am jaded, but the first thing I think of when someone mentions Church of Christ is, what misconception about the Lord's Church are they about to say next? He goes on and says, it does make me want to be prepared to make it offense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you. Chris sort of gets on his, I guess, gets his uh, his ears perked, ready to listen to hear what kind of misconception maybe expressed next i think kyle as we were talking before the program that's somewhat of your uh your response as well when you hear that is that you you're worried about what kind of misconception you might hear next yeah or you're just listening like you just kind of your ears perk up and you're just kind of wondering uh what kind of defense am i going to have to make for the lord's church that's something that you're gonna you kind of have that in your back pocket you're like okay what have i you know, which we're supposed to have a defense. We're supposed to have an answer for everything we believe, and that's something that's it's we're kind of called upon for that anyway. But especially as Christians, we start on our heels in any way, especially members of the Lord's Church. We're going to be on our heels for the most part in most conversations. So it's just kind of how it's part of the way of the world. So all right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Jeff in Livingston, Tennessee, responds. It really depends on the situation and context. Personally, if I'm just out among folks in general and I hear or overhear them say Church of Christ, my first thought is usually a bit defensive until I listen to what they are actually saying on the topic as I don't know if they're attacking the church or just talking about something going on in the church or specific congregation or if they're addressing someone who is attacking. So uh, Jeff sort of has that same response, wondering what is going to be said. You know, when someone says Church of Christ, Monty, uh, we have some thoughts that are associated with them. One of those being that the, the actual, the name Church of Christ is something we read about in the scriptures. It's a name or a designation for a group of believers, a church, that is one that is scriptural. And so when we hear that name, that indicates to us that there's a group of people that are at least concerned about being called or being referred to as something that's scriptural. Yeah, Jacob, when you read in Romans chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Uh, that's a name that we find in the New Testament to refer to the people that have dedicated their lives to following and serving Jesus and God. So, and it's, so it's therefore, it's a scriptural name. When we read about it in the Bible, it's okay for us to be known by that name. Yeah. Uh, and so <clears throat> when I would hear that name, I would think, well, there's a group of people that are committed to a scriptural name or designation. Mm -hmm. Now, if I hear someone say, well, it's the church of Martin Luther, or it's the church of the the holy water or the church of whatever you want to call it, then I would think, well, they're not interested in following the scriptures, at least Mm -hmm. by the designation that they're wearing. And so when I hear the name Church of Christ, I certainly think of that. Uh, my father's listening tonight. He's down in Alabama. He says, ideally, people would think about the church they read about in the Bible. I think the name would help them to think that, mm-hmm. hopefully. Well, I can read about a church of Christ in the Bible. Perhaps this is something like I can read about the Bible. 
And he goes on and says, hopefully we are conducting ourselves in such a way that would not cause people to have a negative reaction. And certainly, sadly, members of the Church of Christ have acted in the way in, in, in the past that would cause a negative or sour uh, feeling about the Church of Christ. You know, and that's not nothing new. We read about people in the Bible who in the first century had fallen away or behaved in such a way that would bring reproach, I believe is a scriptural term that we can read about. They bring reproach upon the church and upon God. So, you know, just because somebody is a member of the Church of Christ doesn't mean they're perfect or doesn't mean that every member of the Church of Christ is living the way they're supposed to. But the name itself should designate a a group of people that is trying to follow the teachings of Christ. All right. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in the discussion. Sign in with the other listeners in the chat room tonight. We want to hear from you. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, responds tonight and says the non when he hears Church of Christ, he thinks the non-denominational, undenominational, anti-denominational, one universal body of those who have been saved from past sins. Now, that's interesting. Non-denominational, undenominational, anti-denominational, just totally not in, in any way denominational or a subset of believers, a subset of Christians, not wanting to be factious and divide up, but it is the one body of saved believers, and certainly that is in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So there's one body. Now, we talked about the fact that this body is the church. We've talked about that numerous times. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read about that. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, if I can get there, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, and God has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So there is one body, and Jesus is the head of that body, and that body is the church. There's one church. Now, if I read about a church in the New Testament called the Church of Christ, and there is just but one church, one body, then that body must be the Church of Christ. Now, the group that's wearing that name doesn't necessarily mean that they are that body, but it certainly uh, indicates that that body will have that name or will be, could be designated by that name. You know, when it talked about one body, when we think of the word denomination, as Kent used in, in his email, anti-denominational, non-denominational, undenominational, the word denomination has to do with a division. Uh, when we're doing math problems, we have divisors or, or, or de- denominations in, in, in doing math. It has to do with the word division. And so this passage we just read says one body. It doesn't say one divided body following many directions. It says one body and that Jesus is the head of it. There's one head. And so we're, if we are that body, we're going to be doing what that one headset tells us to do. Okay. All right. Uh, so a scriptural name, a, a, a non-denominational, anti-denominational group, that is that one body of saved believers. And by default, then, that body must be following what the head instructs them. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the head of the church. And therefore, that church would have to follow his teachings, his doctrines. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, we read, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and the Father through him. So 
we're to give thanks to God the Father through Jesus, who is the head of the church, and we, we do this as we are doing all things in his authority, uh, by the instruction that he has given us. If we are his body, then by default we're going to do what the head says. You know, there's a lot of people feel like that phrase, do all in the name of the Lord. They, they think that means, well, I want to do worship my way, but I'll attach Jesus' name to it, and it's okay. Well, that's not what that phrase means. That in the name of phrase means by, so if we're doing things by the authority of Jesus, then we're doing what he told us to do the way he told us to do it. Mike, Mike in Nashville asked the question. He says the Church of Christ is used once in the New Testament. Mike's correct. Are churches that call themselves other New Testament names also allowed? Well, certainly that would be permissible, Mike. Mike goes on and says, you said that there is one New Testament church, and it is called the Church of Christ. I said there's one New Testament church, and it would use a designation like Church of Christ. It would use that. It could use that designation. It would be willing to use that designation. Maybe I wasn't clear on that. That's not the only designation it could use, but it will use a designation that can be found in the Scriptures, and that's one of them. You know, like you said, uh, there's other names in the Bible that the church is referred to. One of them could be Church of God. Uh, I think Church of the Firstborn is used. And so there's other names in there. Well, I can't remember right. necessarily all of them off the top of my head. Certainly. But whatever name we use, we would need to find a name that we could see in the New Testament that referred to the church, and therefore it be a scriptural name. I mean, uh, I wouldn't want somebody, if this was something, I wouldn't want somebody to call my wife by some other name than my last name because she's my wife, and I would want her to be called by my name. And okay. so the church is referred to as the bride of Christ, so he would want it to be referred to by a name that he approved of. Okay. All right, so there was confusion about what I had said or what I didn't say. So, uh, Mike, uh, we've, hopefully we've clarified that. We do not think that it's the only name that could be used. Uh, and so uh, we want to be clear about that. And so thank you, Mike, for the comments tonight. If uh, someone would disagree, say, you know, you'd, it's not important that you use a name that we can find. In it's not the case. If it's not important, is there any limit to what we could call the church? How about the Church of Mike? Call the Church of Mike, Church of Monty. Is that okay? No, because I wouldn't want anybody following me. Okay. It's not my church. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. It belongs to God. Uh, and so, therefore, we should call it by something that they approved of. All right. We should use a scriptural designation. Again, we need to follow uh, the pattern that we read about in the New Testament. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. When we get back, we've got tonight one from Dwight who complains in, uh, in Iowa. He says when he th- hears Church of Christ, he thinks strict. And that's not used in a positive connotation from Dwight. That's a negative connotation. He, hear- he thinks strict when he hears Church of Christ. What do you think? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Brett Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition 
of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight, and we are glad that you're here. We want to hear what you think when someone says, Church of Christ. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Mike says, what Jacob just said is a great example. Maybe he didn't mean to, but he said that there is one New Testament church, and it is called the Church of Christ. Well, certainly it is the Church of Christ. It's the Church of God. The Bible calls it the Church of Christ. Are we? I can't deny that the Bible calls it, church, Bible calls it the Church of God, the Church of the Firstborn. That's what it calls it. And, and the church ought to be willing to wear that name or have that designation. He said, uh, um, it's the only, it's, and that only the Church of Christ cares about the Bible. That's what he said. I, the only, yeah. I don't believe you said that. I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. <clears throat> we do care about the Bible. There are other churches that care about the Bible. They may be wrong, but they care about the Bible. Certainly, we're, not, we're not questioning the sincerity of Denominations, but uh, certainly uh, Mike says, and where in the New Testament is any emphasis whatever put on what a congregation is called? Well, again, Mike, is if it there, if it's not important, can we call it the Church of Mike in Nashville? Is that acceptable? Uh, Dwight said, uh, okay, Dwight said, uh, Dwight, Dwight, okay, Dwight is not saying that we're strict. Dwight is saying that others say that we're strict. I mentioned that before the break that uh, Dwight had said we're strict. Uh, so Dwight is referencing what other people say about the church, and that is that they're strict. And certainly, uh, that is a common thought, that they're strict, that the, those in the church of Christ are strict. But I take you back to Colossians 3, verse 17, Monty. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, that sounds strict to me. Well, it does to me, too. And then if you look at 1 Peter 4, chapter 4, verse 11, it says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Uh, that oracles of God is in the revelations of God or the information that God has imparted to us. And that sounds pretty strict to me, too. I'm not supposed to be speaking about God or about religious matters outside of what God has revealed to us. That sounds kind of strict to me. It does, and uh, Dwight has heard that uh, com- that criticism, uh, as we all. And he, he he also brings up another one, Monty. He says that people say the church is hypocritical because of how people live their lives. I have no doubt whatsoever and wouldn't deny that there are hypocrites in churches of Christ. Uh, but I don't think a hypocrite properly represents what we believe and are trying to accomplish in our lives. Uh, there, yeah, there's people that's saying they're one thing when they're really not. But I can't do anything about that. But I can try to represent the church accurately in my life. And we shouldn't judge a group based upon their worst, their worst members. members. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, if we're going to do that, there's hypocrites in every church. Yeah. Every there's hypocrites in the Church of Satan, probably. Uh, I don't know, but uh, you know, they're. Uh, 
so certainly we shouldn't judge the church based upon its weakest member. No instruments, no instrumental music. Certainly that's something that people think about uh, when they think about the Church of Christ. And for good reason, we worship without uh, the aid of instruments because we can't read about churches in the New Testament worshiping that way. If we could read about it or if God had instructed us to, to do that, we certainly would be using instruments. But we can't find any instruction or any reference to that in the New Testament, and so we don't. Instead, we see verses like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, that simply tells us uh, to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Told to sing there. Again, it's without instruments. In that verse, it tells us that we need to be singing. Colossians 3.16 says similarly, uh, that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You can go through the New Testament and find instructions to sing, examples of Christians in the first century singing. We don't find any instruction or example of them worshiping with instrumental music. And so we worship the way they did in the New Testament, again, because we want to go based upon what the Scriptures teach. Now, there's a big controversy in the religious world today among those who use instruments of what kind of instruments they ought to be using. Should it be more classical, piano, organ kind of thing? Or can we bring in the drums and the guitars and the rock band? There's a big controversy around that, Kyle, and and the religious world is very upset about that. Now, if I believe it's okay to worship with instruments... Where do I go to say well, you can't bring the rock band in? Now, that's too far. Well, based on what what authority am I going to say that? If I accept instruments at all, I've got to accept all of them. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Once you've opened the floodgates, what uh, what basis do you have to yeah refute uh, someone's – if someone wants to bring in it, bring in the rock band or bring in uh, any and every – just start playing any kind of music you want, which there's no basis for stopping it once you've brought it in. So it's – All right. Certainly. You know, logic would dictate that if a piano or organ or those type of instruments was okay, I mean, because like you say, we don't see any limit based on that. Uh, You know, if if an instrument is good, then any instrument would be good logically. All right. Absolutely. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. And certainly if you'd like to talk with us, uh, that's the best way for us to have a discussion is to use the telephone and call in. Uh, And then... Dwight says that he hears people claim that the Church of Christ is judgmental. Monty, what would you say about that? Usually when someone says that we're judgmental, as far as my experience with it goes, uh, when we try to say that a certain activity is wrong, they say, well, you're being judgmental. Well, I'm not the judge of that, but the one that is the judge is God, and he wrote down in the New Testament that this particular activity was a sin. Uh, We use the... The word fornication, for example, sexual activity outside the proper marriage relationship is is fornication. And he says that's a sin that people who participate in that are not going to heaven. I didn't write that. God had inspired me and write it down. It's his word that says it's wrong. And if I can look at an activity and measure it against the word of the God in the Bible and see that it violates what that word is, that's not me being the judge. 
That's God being the judge and pronouncing that judgment, not me. I'm just repeating what God said. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. In fact, we're instructed in the scriptures over and over again to be judgmental. Mm-hmm. One of those passages is 1 John 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so John is telling the Christians there, that guy's talking to you. You judge. Is he telling you the truth or is he not? You measure him up against the word of God that we have written for us. And make a judgment, is he telling you what the Bible says And if he's not? not, you call him a false prophet. No, no, that's judgmental. You shouldn't do it. No, John says. John said do it. Try the spirits. The same is true. Uh, he tells us, oh, uh, again, that we need to be um, looking at people and saying, you know, he's in sin. And I need to either get him to, to change or I need to uh, mark that individual as being someone who's not walking orderly. Over and over again, we're told uh, to judge. Uh, verse um, 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. For what have I to do uh, to, to judge them that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? And the, the context here of those who are Christians who are living disorderly lives, fornicating and so forth. They were to judge that man and say, you know what? You're not supposed to be living that way. You need to change or else we're not going to be able to continue to fellowship you. So certainly... Uh, that, but we're told to make righteous judgments. That's right. That's right. And so we, we certainly are told uh, to do that. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. All right. Now, let's see. Jeff in uh, Livingston says, if I'm assembled with the church for worship or Bible study or whatever, even just a few folks standing around conversing after services, I'm usually not as defensive as the ones speaking are usually just explaining the differences between the Lord's Church and denominational churches or denominational churches, what they teach about the Lord's Church. So if he hears that around other Christians, Jeff is not as defensive. Thank you, Jeff, for your comments uh, on the program tonight. Um, All right. Um, Now, Mike is in the chat room, and he has sent us an email tonight as well. He says, the first thing I think of uh, when he hears Church of Christ is a church tradition that is constantly fighting against the notion of being just another denomination while simultaneously fighting for and insisting upon man-made traditions that have come directly from the denominational world. It is as if a man was standing waist-deep in water and denying that he was wet and saying, and you too must remain dry as I am remaining dry in order to be pleasing. Well, he says that he thinks of us denying or denying that we're a denomination and fighting against the idea of being a denomination. Monty, what do you say to that? Are we a denomination? I agree with him. We deny that we're a domina- denomination and fight against the idea of denominations. Okay. And we should. We believe that's what we're taught in the Bible. If uh, not, if to, to argue otherwise is to argue that denominations are acceptable. Well, the reason for this is in Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And then he repeats that again in verse 9. So what he's saying, we are given the doctrine of Christ. And if we're teaching something besides that, if we that divides us, that makes us something different. If we're teaching something different, then we're going to be accursed. So we are trying desperately to avoid this idea of denominationalism. 
But if another congregation didn't, I wouldn't tell them they was wrong. I'm, they're going to study the Bible sometime, somewhere, I'm, I'm assuming. So however they choose to study it is a good thing. Okay. All right. So we're not insisting on that. Mm-mm. We're not insisting on owning a building that's sacred and only can be used for church activities. We know churches that don't own a building. I know of one in Spring Hill that, to the best of my knowledge, they're using a rented facility and okay. have since their inception. Okay. Um, a raised lectern from which one delivers a message to a lower group seated silently in rows. Uh, I, we happen to have a raised lectern yeah. here, but it, we could lower the lectern if we wanted to. It wouldn't bother any of us. Uh, we're in rows, but that's just as a convenient way to get everybody seated. Uh, we could have it in a haphazard, zigzag fashion. It would be fine. It wouldn't have to be rows. Uh, we should be silent. We're to be de- do things decently and in order. So when when the not the, to be disruptive to the person that's when trying the to preacher's teach you preaching, we shouldn't uh, you know be uh, carrying on conversations with one another. But that, that's not a denominational thing that we're we're insisting upon. Um, the silent. You know, as far as our raised lectern goes, uh, on certain times when certain people are up making a talk, sometimes they get up at the raised lectern. Sometimes they stand down at the floor at the same level as those seating silently in rows. I haven't heard anybody be critical of people doing it either way. Si- We're not insisting on either d- direction. The silent passing of bread and juice on trays from row to row during communion. Again, that's a, a way that is an expedient way to accomplish it. That we pass it in trays. We wouldn't have to pass it in trays. We could, I don't know, pass it pass it in baskets or whatever. Or maybe have a big loaf and just hand it around and people do it. Right. I don't think I don't think anybody's requiring it to be done that way. Okay. Again, the silent part I think is a respectful way of of we're at the time we're doing that we're having a memorial of Jesus' death and that's a respectful way of conducting that. We're not being loud and disruptive and distractive okay. if we're being silent. Okay. All right. Gathering is an act of worship with a dedicated, in my opinion, somewhat showy time during the gathering to take up the collection. Again, it's an expedient. We're told to take up the collection when we come together. We're doing it when it come, we come together. We don't mean it to be showy, but uh, that's your opinion. Uh, as far as showy goes, I mean, if we was being showy about it, that would make me think that when I put my money in, I'm trying to draw attention so you can all see that Monty put money in the tray. Uh, and maybe even the amount, I'm, you know, I'm putting in X number of dollars. Look at me, look at me. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, there's nobody at College View or anywhere else that knows how much I give. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much anybody else gives. I don't have a desire to because we're not being showy about it. We're trying to be quiet and discreet, and this is a way for us to accomplish that. So Mike goes on in the, in the chat room. He says, all of these practices are from denominations, and if they're not insisted upon, why are the churches almost unanimous in their adherence to these traditions? Well, they're expedient. They're con- they work. We don't have to do it this way, as we've noted. <clears throat> Churches that do things differently, that may not have a Bible class, or they may not own a building, or they may not have a raised lectern. They may that other denominations might do that, but that doesn't mean it's wrong just because Everything of the denomination. Everything the denomination does isn't necessarily wrong. And he says, if you can change, why haven't you? Well, because why it, would I want to? Because it works. Now we're not we're not opposed to it. If someone came in and said, you know what? I think it would be a better idea if rather than the raised lectern, if the speaker was standing in a hole about a foot deep, that would be more effective. Get him down on the eye level to those who are setting. Well, I mean, if he, if that's what everybody thinks is uh, expedient, dig a hole and let's put him in it. But we're, we're not, we're not demanding these traditions. We're not standing on these traditions and saying, if you don't have a raised lectern, 
then you're not pleasing to God. We need to get a break. When we get back, hold that thought, Monty. When we get back, we've got more to talk about. And uh, Mike says, you're all going so soft in your defenses of these practices at home that you're defending these, especially when contrasting the practices of other churches. You are far more stringent and accusatory. Mike, I've never been stringent and accusatory about a raised lectern. I've never given one much consideration. Before I haven't tonight. either. <laughs> Mike's upset about him. I'm not. I'm not giving it a lot of consideration. I've not been accusatory or stringent about the raised lectern, um, and I'm not going soft on it. That's just well, that, that's the way that we we feel about it. So let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Hunters of various sorts, duck, goose, turkey, etc., are known to use decoys in their pursuit of game. The idea is to distract the attention of the animal with decoys. In the process of this distraction, a couple of things are supposed to happen. First, the hunted object will imagine that, because others of its breed are present, this is a good place to be. The hunter and the danger he poses will be less conspicuous, hopefully not noticed at all. This technique, when properly employed, can be very successful. The people of God are being hunted on a continual basis. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says that our adversary, the devil, is constantly lurking about, seeking whom he may devour. And he uses many devices, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. The decoy method that we described a moment ago is one of his most effective tools. Notice how it works. First, our attention is drawn to the fact that lots of others are involved in a particular activity. It must be okay, we reason, because everybody's doing it. Never mind the fact that we have been warned concerning following a multitude to do evil, Exodus 23, verse 2. Disregard the clear admonitions that we cannot know right and wrong by observing the actions of others, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. God's word may clearly condemn the deed, but the decoys have drawn us in. We develop a false sense of security because so many others are involved. The popularity of drinking, dancing, immodest dress, and so forth are all used by Satan in the process of tempting us to engage in the same sinful acts. And then secondly, of course, Satan himself and his dastardly ambition to ruin us for all eternity is hidden from our view by these decoys. Like the hunter in the blind, shrouded in camouflage, Satan is a master of deception. When hunting with decoys, it is not uncommon for the hunted prey to recognize the plot at the last moment. But usually it's too late to avoid the shotgun blast. May it never be so with our souls. Be sober. Be vigilant, says 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And the best way for you to find out more about us is to come and worship with us. Find out more about our meeting place and our time of meeting at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We would love for you to come and join us as we are striving to just follow the instructions of the New Testament without any uh, man-made uh, doctrines. And now we do have some traditions or some practices that are expedient, and they may re- they may be similar to what some other church is doing. Even maybe maybe even a Muslim church might do some of these things. They might sit in rows in a Muslim church. Doesn't mean it's wrong. We've got to do everything that we do. We have to have authority from the scriptures, 
and that authority may be expedient. We may have the, uh, the authority to use expedience in certain areas and judgments, but uh, we are striving to be just like the church we read about in the New Testament. Now, to that, Mike goes on in his email, he says, for a church that is claiming to be the restoration of first century Christianity, as if we were ever able, ever called upon to be first century Christians, so many practices have been adopted from denominations and have become doctrines of men that are upheld as gospel. It reminds me of the Amish and the refusal to utilize the conveniences of modern technology, except for the technologies of the 19th century and before, well, and when it can somehow be justified. So, again, Mike, if anyone is adopting practices that are become as doctrines of men that are held up as the gospel, shame on them. Shame on them. Anyone who is binding traditions of men as doctrines, shame on them. And if we're doing such, we would encourage someone to show us. Now, we may do things that are things that just have become practices that men use as expedients, like setting in rows. We may do that. We may use songbooks, and denominations use songbooks. They use Bibles, too. All right. We may do these things because they're expedient. But if we ever said, now, Monty, you don't use a songbook, you're going to hell, then we've crossed the line. We're no longer following the instructions God has given us. Well, I think a thing that we need to look at here, he's talking about these practices that we were discussing, that that we adopted them from denominations. Well, that point has yet to be proven. Uh for example, as we was talking about the raised lectern, and then you mentioned bear, putting them a foot down in a pit. As, you, as I think of college classes that I've seen and auditoriums that I've seen, there's some classroom settings where the instructor in the college classroom, the professor, is down at the bottom down here, and all the people are sitting in rows, and each row is progressively higher. Right. So in effect, if he's been put in a pit. Right. And then there's other classroom settings that we've seen where the one doing the imparting of the knowledge, the professor, is up at this raised lectern, and the class is at steadily lower progressions in there. If we can take and learn, if, if that's a proper and an, a good way of imparting knowledge, why could we not use that same method, that same classroom setting, so to speak, because colleges use I don't know that denominations came up with these things. Maybe they learned it from some college application. Uh, we know that Paul taught in what was referred to as the school of Tyrannus, and I don't really know what that was, but maybe that was some kind of uh, institution of higher learning, and he was able to secure a classroom setting there to teach from. Maybe he had a raised lesson, or maybe he was down in the pit, like uh, when we think of the uh, uh, where the, the the thing in Greek, Greece where Paul the, preached, the Areopagus. Yeah. You know, I, I get the impression that that was the lower amphitheater type setting where the Speaker was it the actors or whoever was there was down lower. But anyhow, we, we can learn what, uh, from our observation, is good ways of teaching and, and a proper setting that helps people learn easier and better and use those. But I don't know that the denominations came up with that. They If they're doing it and it works for them, fine. And we're not saying you've got to do it either way. But we can, and, and I'm not admitting or conceding that they's the one that came up with these things like that we've been discussing. All right. So here we go uh, on Mike's email. He continues, and I would expect that you will claim to be part of the church that was founded on Pentecost. Any learned Christian would claim this as well. And if you can deny the claim, 
when made by a Baptist or a Lutheran, I can deny it when you make it. Facts are facts, and the churches of Christ, Christian church, and disciples of Christ all have their various sects and flavors, uh, have their founding in the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement centered around the events of the Cane Ridge Revival. There's no shame in accepting these facts and attempting to tell other denominations that you are not like them. is like standing waist deep in a pool, uh, that pool accusing others of being wet. We don't have our foundation in the Stone Campbell movement. We don't study from anything from Stone or Campbell. I don't think I've ever heard of the Cane Ridge Revival before tonight. Okay, well, uh, we study the Bible. Now, I don't read about Alexander Campbell or these other people that he's referring to in the Bible. We read, we, we, we're trying to go to the Bible for that. We don't reference them. Now, they certainly got people thinking along those lines, but people were thinking along those lines before Alexander or, uh, or Campbell were, uh, Alexander Campbell or Barton Stone were ever around. They were thinking about that prior to them. They've been thinking about that since the day of Pentecost. People, Looking to the scriptures. Now, he, he has a problem with us saying that we should be a part. We want to be a part of the church that was founded on Pentecost. Back, you referenced Galatians chapter 1 earlier in the study. Mm-hmm. That if anyone teaches any other uh, gospel other than what had been preached, let him be accursed. In other words, if you are being taught something different than the New Testament, if you're following something different than the New Testament, what does that say? It says I'm going to be accursed. So... What's the problem with saying I want to be just like the what New they Testament? What the New Testament. Again, uh, it does not seem to line up. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Nicole in the chat room says, I hear people say that the Church of Christ is the only church that will be saved. Well, again, it depends on how you define Church of Christ. But if you're talking about the church that Christ purchased with his blood... The church that he's the head of, the church that, since he's the head of, his body is following. They're doing what he said to do in the pages of the New Testament. They're following that and trying to be just like the church that he founded and that he instructed. Then he, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, for the head of the wife, uh, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Christ is only going to save his church, his body, those who are following him. He's not going to save others. There is uh, no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. No one cometh to the Father but by Christ. Christ is going to save his church. He says, enter into the straight and narrow, because wide is the gate and the way that leads to destruction but narrow is the way to life, and few be that find it. So only the ones that enter that straight and narrow are the ones going to heaven. And Jesus said that. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty one, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So he's describing a great number of people that are not going. That's just just recognize him as Lord or saying that he's Lord is not sufficient, but you've got to do the will of the Father. If you're not doing the will of the Father, he says here, you're not going to heaven. And, that, I, I, and Jesus said that, not me. We need to get a break. Mike says we would make great Mormons. No, we wouldn't, Mike, because no, we, we deny. disagree with them greatly. We deny what they teach. He said, I believe that every Christian is a part of the Pentecostal, uh, the Pentecost church. 
anyone who adheres to the doctrine of Christ. We believe that if they, we adhere to the teachings of Christ and we do what he says, then we will be saved and we are part of his body if we're doing what he said. I agree with that. We agree with that. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We're going to the top of the hour right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. I'm Kate and I'm three years old and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program as we go to the top of the hour, asking you what comes to mind when someone says Church of Christ. Kyle, you asked this question earlier today uh, to someone and got some answers. Yeah, which I was uh, just... It's a great question. It really is. It's actually a conversation starter for anybody who actually is a member of the church. I mean, it's just something, what do you think about? And uh, I asked that, and... uh, uh, they said uh, her simple word was disbelief, and I don't know sure if that was disbelief on her part that she's in disbelief that I'm a <laughs> member of the church, or if it's uh, she can't believe that you, you that you are a member of the church, or she can't believe that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it goes down. I think it comes down to what we believe, and uh, we're, we're the only ones going to heaven. That's one of the biggest things we always say, and they always. Okay. One of the biggest things that come we did, parts. We, and we didn't get to, to Cole's, Nicole's answer, question thoroughly. What about that, Kyle? What about the, the are, are we the only ones going to heaven? Well, I mean, uh, I think those who do the will of God, those who, in my statement, actually my, one of my uh, statements to her was, you know, if Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's, if we love God and if you know Jesus, if you want to worship him and if you want to go to heaven, you will keep his commandments. And if you're keeping his commandments, you're probably going to be a member of the Lord's church. So it's, it's a, and like Monty said, the gate is narrow. So it's just, we have to remember that. All right. So here's some verses to consider as we talk about those who are going to go to heaven. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 list a, uh, as a list of sins there. 
And those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Murderers, adulterers, idolaters, those who practice witchcraft, etc. Those aren't going to enter the kingdom of God. So those are some people who aren't going to do, aren't going to go to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus is the only way. He also said then, hey, we're going to go to heaven through him. That That's going to require us to do what he said. In Luke six forty six. why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? If he's going to be the head of the church, he's going to be the head of me in my life. He's going to be my Lord. I've got to do what he says. Is Jesus going to save those who don't do what he says? Well, he's not. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's what we believe, that those who are submitting to the will of Christ, following him in their life, are doing what he says. Those are the ones who are going to go to heaven. That's what we believe. That's what we teach. Um, and... I would hope that our listeners would agree with that. You know, Mike, a minute ago, uh, he, a couple of times he used the phrase learned Christian in his email, uh, and he referred to other people, some people as being Christians. And I get the impression from the, the way he's using the word that he feels like that anybody that believes in Jesus is a Christian. Well, I think we need to look at what is the definition of a Christian. Well, in the book of Acts, it tells us that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So a Christian is a disciple of Christ. Well, what is a disciple? We look up that definition. A disciple is a person that patterns their life after a certain belief system or the teachings of a certain uh, mentor or teacher. So if you're a disciple of Christ, you are scripturally called a Christian. And so if you're not patterning your life after the teachings found in the New Testament, then you're not a Christian. You may believe in Christ. Jesus is one of these passages we just read about. talks about not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. There's nobody that believes in Jesus any better than the devil does. Right. We believe in him by faith and by the evidence presented to us that, that beyond the shadow of doubt is the Son of God. We believe that. But the devil believes it because he's met him, he's talked to him, he's had interaction with him. But the devil's not going to heaven right? because he's not doing the will of the Father. Uh, Paul talked about if you'd practice any other or teach anything other than what you'd already presented, you're going to be accursed. So if we're a Christian, we're a disciple, and as a disciple, we're patterning our life after that certain belief system that we found taught in the New Testament. If you're not following that pattern, even though you may believe in Jesus, you may be doing some of the things that you read about in the New Testament. But if you're not trying to accomplish all of the things that we read about, you can call yourself a Christian all day long, but that don't make you one. All right. You know, I know about a little bit about plumbing. I've done some plumbing work, but I'm not a plumber. You're no plumber. I've done a little bit of electrical work. You've actually seen me struggling with that at yeah. times, but I'm not an electrician. That's right. And just because I know a little bit and do a little bit of the stuff I find about in the Bible does not make me a Christian. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And Jesus said that. I didn't write that. I didn't create. He did it, but it's what he said. So I can't just say, hey, I'm a Christian. Yeah. No, you got you prove it. Are you doing what we he demonstrate said? that we're a Christian by our activities? All right, Kyle. When you ask the question uh, today, any other responses? Uh, no, which we've had uh, many discussions. It's just uh, it's really in 
in ignition, I guess it's uh, a subject of tension, especially with this individual. It's just something that's just there's a, there's a lot of people who have obviously very just uh, venomous feelings when it comes to the Lord's Church, and especially it's just. Um, but I think those are good when you meet that as a Christian. That's a wonderful opportunity to show them uh, to what a true Christian is, and what uh, it's a good opportunity to explain to them what we do and how we do it and what we're supposed to be doing. So I always think it's a good opportunity. I don't mind getting in uh, discussions with anyone. If they, if they want to talk and if they have negative beliefs or negative feelings about the church, that's a wonderful opportunity to help correct those. So that's I look forward to it, though. All right. All right. Uh, certainly uh, lots of comments tonight. It, it, this this question or this this name or this title brings a lot of thoughts to mind, Lonnie, mm-hmm. and a lot of negative thoughts. But our our goal is simple. We're not uh, our our aim is not to bind or defend some commandment of men. Our goal is to look to the scriptures and do what Jesus says to do in the scriptures, the instructions and the patterns we can see there. And if we'll do that, we'll be pleasing to him because Jesus said, or, or Paul wrote in Colossians 3, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, Paul said, every Christian, if you follow me because I'm following Jesus, he told Timothy, find faithful men and teach them what I taught you so they can go out and teach others. So that's a process of duplication that Paul was teaching, that if you teach others what I taught and I'm following Jesus, then you'll be followers of Jesus too. So in effect, by doing what we read about in the New Testament, the way that we understand that they did it, we're doing what they did, which was following Jesus, so we're first century Christians just like they were. Now, by logical conclusion, Mike in Nashville is saying that we're wrong for wanting to follow what Jesus said to do. What else would I want to follow? He's ridiculing the fact that we said we need to follow what Jesus said. We need to do what Jesus said to do. We need to, everything we do in word or deed, we, we should try to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mike says, that's, that's not the right approach. Well, I'll go with what Paul said on that. Mike, no offense, but uh, we want to be submitting to the will of God and following him in every aspect of our lives, both in our corporate worship together and in our personal individual lives, doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus, by his authority. Uh, otherwise, we believe that's we're living a lawless life and a disorderly life, and a life that's not pleasing to God. Yeah, and, you know, like I said earlier, our whole goal uh, should be that we want to please Jesus. That's what we was created for, was to glorify God and, and bring honor to his name. And so anything beyond that or different than that, and we're not pleasing to God. All right, we're out of time. Mike, if you'd like to discuss it with us in greater detail or maybe even come on the program, uh, send us an email. We'd love to have some further discussions with you. And, um, Kyle, thanks for being here tonight, helping us. It's always good to be here. Monty, thank you for your help as well. Thank you, Jacob. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening tonight. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.